You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey again, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Well, fine. Uh, busy enough with football coming up and jobs and everything else, and now a hurricane. So uh, just another Monday. Uh, just so everybody knows that Jimmy's safe, are you going to be getting oh. out of here? Well, I'm at work in downtown Mobile right now. Uh, the weather so far has just been kind of uh, just rains for rains and wind blows for about 15 minutes. And it's, it's actually sunny outside right now. You wouldn't have known that 30 minutes ago. And uh, it'll be sunny for a while and then it'll rain again. But the real stuff is expected to uh, to hit tonight. So I'll be at my home about 4 o'clock this afternoon. And uh, tomorrow looks like a total washout. So I'll be working and lo- I'll be locked on Bama from the house tomorrow. Locked on homeschool. I dig it. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right, Jimmy, let's, uh, we, we touched on a lot of it yesterday, but we can sort of continue the talk of uh, the scrimmage first and foremost. Um, read a few more reports. Again, it's, it's hard to get a lot of information, obviously, uh, at, at this point in the game, uh, considering all that's going on. But all the reports do seem to indicate that all three quarterbacks, meaning Bryce Young, Mac Jones, and Paul Tyson, played very well. Um, and then you hear one rumor that Mac Jones clearly the number one, another rumor that Bryce Young's making it very interesting, and still a third that Paul Tyson – don't forget about Paul Tyson. Um, but I think it's clear to say at this point – I'm just trying to rustle through the weeds here – that um, it's going to be Mac Jones one, Bryce Young – two, and then Paul Tyson, three, and and that's no surprise to anybody. Well, let's just think back to how Nick Saban has always handled the quarterback situation. We've played two, but even when we've played two, there's been a starter who sort of remained the starter, whether you're going all the way back to A.J. McCarron and Phillip Sims, or whether you're talking about Jalen's situation or or Tua, Jalen and Tua. It's like we have a starter, and, and that person remains the starter, I think it just appears to me, based on what Coach has done in the past, it feels to me like this isn't a situation where Mac Jones is the starter and he's going to play the whole game and Bryce is going to come in at garbage time with all the other backups. I don't think that'll be the case. I think this is going to look a lot more like 2017, where Jalen started the games and played the majority of the game. But Tua was always put in the game with the first team. That's what people have to watch. People get too just too small picture on if the kid comes in the game and he's playing behind the first team offensive line, he's playing with the first team. That's not garbage time. That's significantly different than him coming in. Just look at the center. Right now the center is going to be Landon Dickerson, number 69, right? When Landon is in the game – the first team is in the game. Doesn't matter whether Mac Jones is taking the snap or whether Bryce Young's taking the snap. Now, when we take the first team out, the second team center is probably going to be Darian Dalcourt right now. So what's interesting to me is in years we have a clear number one and a backup, then the backup's only going to take snaps from Darian Dalcourt. 
when the backups come in. I don't think that's going to be the situation at all here. I expect to see Bryce Young playing with the first team. Um, and, and, and is that going to happen at the end of the first quarter, into the second quarter, into the third quarter? I don't know. But it is a hugely different thing when the number two quarterback is playing with the first team offense. That sort of means we have two quarterbacks. And that's what I think our situation will be. Sure, Mac starts. Sure, Mac plays most of the game. But it's pretty significant if Bryce is playing with the first team. That has really only happened, in my recollection, early in the A.J. McCarron versus Philip Sims battle and in 2017 when Tua was the number two quarterback behind Jalen. And keep in mind in 2017, I know our fans wanted to see more of Tua. Tua played more snaps and threw for more yards than any backup quarterback in Nick Saban's career. So he played quite a bit and threw the ball quite a bit. That's what I think we'll see with this Bryce Young situation. I guess you could also theoretically say it, it happened in 2018 because Jalen came in several times yes. for Tua just in the reverse. No, that's, that's so correct. And Jalen was coming in and playing with the first team. Jalen didn't come in when we littered the field with uh, walk-ons and freshmen and the backups. He, he came yeah. in with the first team because even though we had a backup, I, I would say – in 2017 and 2018, even though they reversed roles, we sort of had a 1A and a 1B. You know, it wasn't a 1 and a 2. To me, a number 2 guy plays with the number 2 offense, not the number 1 offense. So I, I, I think that's what, what, what there is to watch for. When does Bryce come in? If he comes in with, with the first team guys, that really means we have more of a 1A and a 1B. And I think that's really what the situation is. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And then, um, you know, the other thing here is that Missouri's got some guys that are going to be missing the game due to COVID, and we talked about that too. And uh, mm -hmm. they've had like – I saw a report where they've had five offensive linemen uh, miss practice due to COVID. Now, they, they might, probably won't all be out for this game, but they've missed various practice time. And practice time is so crucial right now if you watched any – of Saturday or really any of the NFL, there's a lot of sloppy play out there from, from guys that know the game or, or experienced, even experienced guys are out there screwing up really badly. Uh, I'm looking at you, Tom Brady with a pick six, but um, <laughs> so it's, it's going to be crucial uh, to keep everybody as, as healthy as you can and get all that, get all the practice time you can. And if Missouri's already missing some, they were behind, you know, they weren't behind the eight ball. They were behind a beach ball on a bowling table. Um, so a bowling table, pool table. See, I screwed that all up. <laughs> on the pool table. Damn it! I that. You I'm can, not... you can just hop up on the pool table and do whatever the heck you want. Well, what about a bowling table? If if there's a bowling table, I'd like to know what the hell that is. It's going to um, be a long as hell table. <laughs> that is. That's that's. I imagine that's the kind of table like uh, you know some of the older kings used to sit at. And Mr. Burns know, on the Simpsons. Mr. Burns on yeah. the Simpson probably bowls on his his dining table. He said, "Pass the salt, and you got to get in a golf cart to take it to him." Um, so anyway, uh, that's that's going to be another problem for Missouri. But uh, speaking of problems, if you have a problem with anything to do with your car, you need to go to RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is the place to go to get anything you need for your car. It says it right there in their tagline: "All the parts your car will ever need." right down to the fuzzy dice, go check them out. 
I'm having a problem with a windshield wiper. I'm going to rockauto.com right after this podcast, going to put in an order for a windshield wiper. Then I'm going to take it to somebody who knows how to put it on because I don't know how to put it on. But, um, you know, Rock Auto is going to save me some money versus going to just a, a standard old store and, and getting completely ripped off. No, Rock Auto is going to take care of uh, me because I'm going to use promo code locked on like everybody should when they visit rockauto.com. Jimmy, some, some other notes from around. <clears throat> Let's talk quickly because uh, I'm trying to think which segment I want to be longer. Well, I mean, I, I want to I want to touch on that COVID thing. You know, I read a, the, an article, and I assume a lot of people have read it, where Eli Drinkwitz was quoted about 14-day protocols and, and guys that he knows already are going to miss the Alabama game. I want to reiterate again, I, I'm sort of confused as to what the protocols are. And I'm very surprised. And that article to me was very alarming. Not in the sense that I worry now that the game may not be played, uh, but I worry that it may be a bigger problem than I even anticipated in terms of Alabama's guys not being available. Uh, and, and, and I'm not talking about one or two, I'm talking about 15. And, and, and not that I know who right now is quarantined, but the fact of the matter is, if it's affecting Missouri to that extent, we're crazy if we don't think it's affecting Alabama to at least something close. It's just that knowing Coach Saban as we do, we're going to be even more secretive about it. I don't think we're going to read an article where, where Coach Saban is quoted like Eli Drinkwitz was. I think we're likely to be far more in the dark. And when our team jogs out there against Missouri and in the nine other games, it might be a total mystery week to week as to who's available. And uh, gosh, you could be missing a bunch of guys and, and, and that lineup could look weird. Again, Alabama's talent, talented depth is a huge advantage for Alabama, but you still have to be prepared to play in the game. You have to know what the plays are. If you, if you are Chuba Hubbard and you might be the best running back in the United States, and the play is designed for you to run left, and Oklahoma State snaps the ball and everybody goes right, but Chuba goes to the left, the play is a disaster. It does not matter that Chuba Hubbard is a good player at that That's point. Bo Jackson. <laughs> That's exactly right. Bo's pretty good. When he ran the wrong way, didn't work out for Auburn. So you gotta know the plays, and, and, and it's hard. It is unprecedented. People might not know how this works in practice. But it is unprecedented to have 85 players ready to play in the game that know the playbook forwards and backwards. It's virtually impossible to prepare 85 players to play, yet that's sort of the reality that, uh, that all the staffs have to look at. Yeah, it's, it's certainly going to be a thing. And then there was an article about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, and Lane Kiffin was basically saying, hey, I, you know, we're – we're kind of screwed. I mean, that's, that's, that's right. I'm summarizing. Um, any minute from an old Miss perspective, I do wonder um, if it's uh, right next door. Next door. building. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jimmy, giving directions on locked on to GPS. That's the um, second time this has happened. Uh, second time, and uh, we've been we've been broadcasting the show. I've been in this spot for a couple of years, and it's never happened that people right. wandered off the street and ask for directions in the middle of our show. Now it's happened two shows in a row. Um, so uh, 
Lane Kiffin was talking about how, hey, look, yeah, we've had a ton of people. We're really worried about it. We don't know if we'll have enough to play and yada, yada, yada. I would say the thing that would give me some hope is um, Clemson played the other night, and they didn't seem to have anybody out. If they did, I didn't notice it. Maybe it was because it was such an ass whooping, but <clears throat> they didn't have anybody out that I saw. Um, and so maybe the programs that are run with tighter ships are going to be better than those that aren't. You can have all the protocols you want to. Um, we have several laws about, you know, wearing seat belts and uh, what you have to do at various businesses, but not, it, it's up to the business itself to follow those laws and adhere to them. So if you have a protocol of, hey, every team in the SEC has got to be tested, whatever, three times a week, whatever. I don't know what it is. Um and then Alabama's like, okay, we're going to do that, and we're going to test you one other time. I'm, I don't know that that's what they do, but if I know Nick Saban, we're going above and beyond. Eli Drinkowitz may not be doing that. Lane Kiffin almost assuredly is not doing that. Um, so they may take it a, a different way or interpret the rules something differently or just not give a right. shit. So, and there's, that- budget, there's budgets too. There are, I mean, let's be honest, there, there are some things Alabama can do budget-wise that not everyone else can do. So if Alabama's going above and beyond, I wouldn't necessarily assume it's a commitment to following the rules so much as it's, you know, hey, these protocols are going to cost, you know, 50000 a week, and Alabama goes, oh, no problem. And everybody else goes, we don't have $50,000 a week. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they just got to kind of make do. So, yeah. but what you say is right. I mean, look in the NFL. The NFL tested everyone in the league that was going to be on a sideline Sunday. They tested everyone Saturday at a rapid test. Zero positives. I mean, that's pretty 2,000 people. It's unbelievable considering they're not in an Orlando NBA bubble. It's incredible. And, I mean, for uh, Danielle House to try and sneak another woman in his room during the NBA playoffs – I mean, how horny do you have to be, dude? I mean, you're an NBA player. If you'll just – the Lakers were going to beat you anyway. If you could have waited just a couple of days, you could just be swimming in whatever you want to be swimming in. And instead, you're like, I'm going to take a chance. And that – I mean, it's just – it's bananas to me. Uh, uh, anyway, we won't get into that. But um, so – uh, Jimmy, another thing that happened, and I really wanted to talk about uh, the AHA, AHSA stuff from from Friday night, but you know, I think that sort of sort of passed now, so I'm, I'm just going to let that slide. I, in fact, I'm going to tell everybody, please watch Thompson versus Hewitt Trussell on ESPNU 7:30 on Friday night. After you listen to this podcast, watch that ball game. That's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of prospects all over the place. Um, but we'll talk about some prospects, you know, all throughout the podcast, throughout the week. But something interesting happened to Texas A&M again. Jamon Osmond opted out today. And yep. this is their number one receiver. He was teammates with Kellen Mond at IMG Academy. Um, right. I find this really interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's he's good and he's an NFL draftable guy. But he's listed as like between a third and fifth round pick, which right. – Again, it sort of just makes you wonder, like, why would you do this when you can improve your stock, given that you've now got a senior quarterback? Um, A&M is sort of the media darling right now, in a sense. Why would you do this? And it does make one wonder if there's something else afoot there. Uh, maybe there's not. Regardless, it is a huge blow to Texas A&M. 
It really is, and it shows how opt-outs have affected virtually everyone, but maybe Alabama and Clemson. Now, we do have opt-outs. We're not going to get into it, but, but, <laughs> but you know, Alabama's got one or two guys sitting out, and, and Alabama made the decision not to, uh, not to advertise that, not to, to put out names and kind of left it up to the kids who have been quiet to this point. But the fact of the matter is that no one at Alabama from the starting lineup or even no one that was sort of a real threat to play with the first team has opted out. So I would say Alabama's sort of untouched by opt-outs in the, in the, in the grand scheme where every, everyone else, some places like LSU have been riddled by it. Uh, but Alabama, Clemson, you know, they've been pretty, pr pretty fortunate and uh, probably shouldn't surprise anyone to see those two standing at the end. Uh, God, huge blow to A&M. Um, because they were shallow. That, that's, that was a position where they have a lot of question marks beyond Osborne. So who, who's Kellamon going to throw the ball to? Maybe some freshmen. I mean, they, they, it's a real issue. But fortunately for them, LSU also affected by opt-outs. Even Auburn, to an extent, uh, Chandler Wooten, a, a quality player and a starter, opted out for Auburn. So I think that's a real issue for them. Uh, you know, because he is a starter. It's not, you know, like losing Marlon Davidson or Derek Brown from a year ago, but he is a starter. Uh, we saw what they created a mess for Alabama last year when we missed a linebacker starter. Yeah. We ended up missing a few, but even just one was a problem. So, uh, yeah, A&M's now in the boat with a lot of others where, where you're more shorthanded than, uh, than you believed you would be. And also Sean Wade from Ohio State opted out, That's which hilarious. is weird. His dad has been such a champion for, hey, let's play, let's play, let's play. And now Sean Wade, right before the Big Ten, is about to take a vote as if they're going to play in middle of October. He's like, I'm I'm out of here. And I, I kind of get it because it, the Big Ten, we keep hearing the Big Ten's going to have this vote and they're going to play – but they keep putting it off or keep screwing it up. And there's so many conflicting reports about who's going to play and who's not going to play. Um, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about some more Bama players in the NFL. So big day for Bama players in the NFL yesterday. <clears throat> Talked about it a little bit in the podcast uh, yesterday because a lot of it just happened. But Josh Jacobs, I mean, my God, 25 carries, 93 yards, and three touchdowns, also caught four passes for 46 yards. Uh, he scores the first touchdown, a couple of firsts here. He scores the first touchdown in Las Vegas Raiders history. And O.J. Howard yesterday caught the first touchdown from Tom Brady as a Buccaneer. We got over 50 players in the NFL, so there's going to be great things happening every week. Just math, math dictates there'll be great things happening every week for our former players. I thought Amari Cooper played fairly well last night. Of course, he had a tough matchup going against one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, but I thought Amari played well, watched a lot of that. And tonight, the games aren't over. Uh, as we record this on Monday, this evening on Monday, we got the Steelers who fe feature Minka Fitzpatrick, Isaiah Bugs. Uh, J.C. Hassenauer, I believe, yeah. plays for Pittsburgh. Um, they are playing the New York Giants, who featured Dalvin Tomlinson. Unfortunately, Xavier McKinney was injured in the preseason, and he will not be uh, playing. But uh, that's in the first game. The second game, there's bammers all over the place. And I'm too old to stay up to watch these 9 o'clock West Coast kicks, but <laughs> so I don't know how much I'll see of it. But, uh, boy, the Broncos used to have no Alabama guys. Now they got a ton. Jerry Judy, Kareem Jackson, uh, Already one or two guys I'm forgetting that I'm sure you know. Um, uh, Mark Barron. 
Mark Barron, exactly. And the Titans with uh, Rashawn Evans and Derrick Henry. Uh, and I think one other, but no, maybe that's just those two. But, I think that's it for them. Um, yeah. And how about Julio yesterday? Uh, you know, somebody, I saw it on a message board. And at first I sort of just laughed it off, but he's, if you're just factoring in everything, you could make a case for it. He said, is Julio Jones the best player to have ever played for Alabama? Um, I think John Hanna would have something to say about that, but boy, Julio's listen to this, this from AL.com in the game yesterday, Julio Jones started a wide receiver for the Falcons and caught nine passes for a buck 57, including a 44 yard reception. Jones reached 150 yards in a regular season game for the 16th time in his career. Only three players in NFL history have done so more. Jerry, Jerry Rice done it 30 times. Lance Allworth and, and uh, BRHS alum for right here in Nellick City, Terrell Owens each did it 17 times. So Rice is, you know, well out there. But Jones also had two playoff games with at least 150 yards. Jones also became the 35th player in NFL history with 800 receptions. Playing his 127th regular season game, Jones reached the milestone faster than any other player except Antonio Brown, who's made his 800th catch in one game earlier. So, I mean, Jones starts out the year with his 150, one more 150 game, which I think clearly he'll get this year, barring injury. He will be tied for second place with T.O. and Lance Allworth. And then just one more, and he's right behind Jerry Rice. That's ridiculous. Yep. And uh, considering that, He's got a bunch of years left. I'm not saying he's going to play as long as Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. <laughs> but just imagine if he does. <laughs> and Julio is such a beast in terms of staying in killer shape. And, and while he's been banged up at various times, he, you know, to this point, luckily he's avoided real serious injury to where he's usually on the field. And uh, if he just plays another two seasons, four seasons, seven seasons, there's just no telling where he'll be on those lists. And I think saying Julio's the best player to ever play at Alabama is on the one hand a stretch. And on the other hand, he realistically belongs on the short list. No, I agree. He, he belongs on the ballot. I think, yeah. I don't know. Again, I think if you add all, if you're trying to go just all career, you know, every aspect of football, John, it's going to be tough to beat John Hanna. I think yeah, I agree. But, um, some people consider him the greatest lineman to ever play in the NFL. And of course, Comparing eras is just impossible, but, yeah. you know, the standard that Don Hudson set in his era is also yeah. going to be hard to match. Um, and, you know, this is a crazy name to bring up because I think you can bring up all sorts of stats that say it's a silly argument. But I don't know that Alabama's ever going to produce a more famous football player than Joe Namath. Joe, who, yeah, Joe, yeah. He, he did yeah, win I, a Super Bowl, and he's in the Hall of Fame as a quarterback, and he is – even though he's in his 70s, he remains a household name in America. And he's a complete player, too. Oh, I yeah. Mean, if there, if, here's the thing. If there was a bubble back with Joe Nate, he would definitely be suspended for bringing a woman into his room. Not one, several. Oh, and no one would care. It would be like the NFL has created a bubble with the exception of Mr. Name, if he can do what he wants. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it would be like, you know, and, and, but, but no, Joe Namath's fame and what he was able to accomplish in a short period of time. I, I just think what's affected is he was never the same athlete in the NFL. He was at Alabama because of, he hurt his knee back before they could fix knees. And 
his career in the NFL was also limited due to the, 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 the assortment of injuries he suffered. But, but when he was a young player for the Jets and still had a lot of life in his legs, he was a fantastic football player, uh, even at that level, and was sort of ahead of his time in the sense that uh, in today's NFL, where you throw for 4,000 yards in a season and you're throwing it 60 times and everything is a wow throw one after another, that was Namath. He, he, could, he could have done all that and been spectacular. Um, you know, in, in terms of what today's NFL demands, he was just sort of ahead of his time uh, as a thrower. Um, but it's hard to say statistically that Namath is the greatest court, uh, the greatest player at Alabama. I'll just say he's the most famous and, and it's going to be really tough to to move ahead of there. But best player, Julio. Uh, Julio would definitely be on a very short list. And I still say Julio is the face of Nick Saban's Alabama. I, I still think that's true. I think that's true, too. And I'll tell you, um, I'm going to give you my best fake Joe Namath quote. When life gives you a bubble, take a bubble bath with several women. Are you um, sure that's not a real quote? That's probably, no, I'm not probably said. That's what I'm saying. It's my best fake quote. I think that's something he'd say at church. I think, <laughs> I think that's something he said. The, the odds are good that he said that. The odds are good. Uh, a couple other NFL notes from yesterday. Here's one thing that saddens me a little bit. J.K. Dobbins got uh, two touchdowns from short yardage for the Ravens yesterday, the rookie out of Ohio State and effectively taking those carries away from Mark Ingram, who only had 29 yards on 10 carries. And it kind of signals to me, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I think the Ravens are the writings on the wall there. They, they want him to be in that spot, but you know, don't count on Ingram. He, these are the kind of games he had against uh, the Saints or with the saints for a while. And then he, you know, the next day he'd run for 150. So uh, I just hate that he gets those two, at least one of those touchdowns should have been his, in my opinion, but Jedrick Wills got hurt. Um, I don't know exactly the extent of that injury. Henry Ruggs, by the way, did get hurt in his game, but he came back. I know some people were uh, concerned about that. And then some other guys, we didn't talk about Eddie Jackson started safety. Uh, They got a huge win. He made six tackles. Um, Reggie Ragland started for Detroit and he, uh, he got a quarterback hit. He didn't have any tackles, but he got a quarterback hit. Uh, J.K. Scott, one punt for 40 yards, but that's really because they never freaking punted because Aaron Rodgers is a freaking <laughs> nature. Um, and then otherwise, Jonathan Allen started def- defensive tackle for Washington. Obviously, he's one of the team captains. He had three tackles, including sharing one of uh, Washington's eight sacks, which I'm glad to hear about because Washington has Landon Collins, uh, Deron Payne, Sean Dan Hamilton, and Jonathan Allen. I think all of them start. Ryan Anderson. And Ryan Anderson, I think he starts too, doesn't he? They have five. I don't know if he starts, but I know he plays. He plays. I I don't know that he starts, and he would certainly be out there on special teams, and uh, I'm sure he's a significant player uh, for the Redskins. I did not get to see the Washington football team yesterday. Uh, On the one hand, I detest that they're going by the Washington football team. And on the second hand, starting yesterday, it started growing on me. So to be determined. And then Kenyon Drake, um, and man, Arizona had a big win. Uh, and Kyler Murray, when I watch Kyler Murray, all I think is I hope that's what Bryce Young is. And uh, he looked pretty doggone good yesterday. Uh, Kenyon Drake ended up getting a touchdown. 
Uh, Dre Kirkpatrick, uh, he had three tackles in his first game for Arizona. Um, Deontay Thompson was inactive. And then, of course, you mentioned last night, uh, Cooper had 10 catches for 81 yards. And Diggs, you know, Diggs played okay, I thought. Um, Van Jefferson, the rookie from Florida uh, via Ole Miss, had a tremendous catch over Diggs. But sometimes an NFL receiver is just going to beat you because that's what they do. It's impossible. It's like it's like it's like looking at a major. I mean, playing cornerback in the NFL. It's like looking at a major league baseball hitter who's hitting three thirty, and 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 you're crushing the guy saying he sucks because seventy seven percent of the time he doesn't get a base hit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the NFL cornerbacks are put in a position to fail, and yeah. they do fail a lot because they're trying to defend the best athletes on the planet Earth, and. uh no, I, I thought Diggs played well. And one thing about Diggs, and I've been a little tough on Diggs, to be honest, uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, I hated his decision to sit out the bowl game. Yes, I've held that against him. Um, I hated his decision to sit out the senior bowl. Uh, he ended up going in the second round and not the first. And I was like, ha, you should have played in the bowl game in the senior bowl. <laughs> so I've been I've been upset with Diggs. And, and even I thought he should have maybe, you know, been a more play, more of a playmaker at Alabama. But the criticism on the boards about not just last night with his performance with the Cowboys, but the criticism on Twitter and public boards about Trayvon Diggs is absurd. I mean, top of the line absurd. You cannot be a starter at Alabama under Nick Saban for two full years. You can't be a starter and then drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in the second round of the NFL draft in quote, be terrible. That's stupid. If you say that, you're dumb. And yeah, I'm calling you dumb. If you say if you say Trayvon Diggs is a terrible football player, you're dumb because they don't draft terrible football players in the second round. Now they may draft guys that end up not having good careers, but Trayvon Diggs is clearly a great college football player and a high quality NFL prospect. His career may or may not pan out. But to call Trayvon Diggs terrible is <laughs> go go tell Nick Saban that, who, who by the way coaches the cornerbacks and put Trayvon on the field for two years. Go go tell Nick Trayvon was a terrible football player. Yeah, you you won't last in you, you, you'll be you'll have a face full of little babies. Right get the hell out of his office and then he'll punch a button and the door's shut and you can't get back in. Yeah. And, that's and you can have the opinion that Trayvon never played up to his potential. Or you can have the opinion that he's not a good tackler. Or you can have the opinion that the Cowboys made a mistake in drafting him in the second round. But this talk about sucks and terrible and awful, I mean, come on. Good Lord. That's yeah, the standard suck. now? Yeah, you suck. How about that? Your mama. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, all right, buddy, that's going to do it for this episode. And uh, we will be back tomorrow with yet another Locked On Bama podcast. 12 oh. days away. We got to discuss the whole depth chart. I mean, we're 12 days away from playing a football game against an SEC ball club. I mean, we're 12 days away from kicking off against Missouri. 12 days. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow is depth chart time, baby. All right, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight. <laughs>